sports fans, you found the most informative technology podcast in the verse. My name is Justin Watts at Pollen and Machina, and you're listening to the 80 Power Up. Hey, everybody. This is Darren Pinchback, and I will agree that you are listening to the most informative AV, IT, technology, whatever you want to call it, show on the interwebs. You're listening to AV Power Up. This is Eric Larson, and I am just along for the ride. I am holding on with white knuckle, waiting to see where this evening leaves us. Ooh, and I'm going to tell you, I'm Corey Moss at CB Moss, and you are listening to AV Power Up on Rave Radio. Rave Radio is brought to you by Ingram Micro. For all of your AV and IT needs, Darren, go to www.ingrammicro.com. You're shaking your head. I don't know why. You're lucky. You're lucky. I have a lot of vodka for this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, so you know what? We have a couple of guests on this show. You've heard one of them in the intro. The other one you'll hear about in a minute. So uh, what I'm going to do is welcome you to the sound bar tonight. We are going to focus on everything sound on this show. So uh, the first guy you heard is one of our guests. That's Eric Larson. Eric is the Director of Marketing at TAC Tascam. How you doing, Eric? Things are going pretty darn well. How are you guys doing? Everything's good here. Nice. And things do look like they're going well. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Our other guest. Well, you know, it so happens when you have a connection who has a connection who brings a guest that I tell you what, um, you know, this guy does some pretty cool things. Uh, his name is Keith Charlie. He's the senior software manager at Sony Interactive Entertainment. How you doing, Keith? Good. Thank you for having me. Uh, you're very welcome. So you know what? I think to get to know Keith Charlie, um, we need a little rundown on this guy. All right? And... Uh, it all started back in Portland, Oregon for you, didn't it, Keith? Yes, it did. That's where I was born and raised, Portland area. All right. Born the same year as you. Uh, that this is true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we won't say any more. Uh, <laughs> now, what's the world like in 1985? <laughs> yes. I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so uh, you started playing guitar at about 12 years old, didn't you, uh, Keith? Yeah, I was, I was uh, you know, totally enamored with guitar. Actually, I think it was because my sister got a guitar and I was jealous, so I started playing her guitar so that I could get it from her. But yeah, I was totally into that, and uh, I, at a very young age, I saw um, Joe Pass, uh, who's, you know, not with us, unfortunately, anymore, was a fantastic jazz player, and once I saw him play, it was all over. I just had to learn about that. Mm-hmm. Joe Pass, and I did a little look-up. Uh, that is Joseph Anthony Jacoby Passalacqua. Uh, was I right about that, uh, Keith? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Virtual jazz guitarist of Sicilian descent. Yeah. Um, and it says he's considered to be one of the greatest jazz guitarists of the 20th century. So it looked like you, uh, you know, you followed a pretty, uh, pretty good influence there, uh, Keith. I, I picked a good one. Yeah. He's an, he's an awesome Yeah. So it says you ended up playing in jazz and rock pop bands, teaching for a few years. And then you met your wife and traveling with a top 40 band. 
Uh, tell us about that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I love jazz. I never lost my love of pop and rock. I of course still love that kind of music. But I was you know traveling with a basic top forty band, playing bars and things, and staying in hotels. And my wife was a cocktail waitress at one of the uh, clubs we played, and you know it was Sparks, man. And now thirty, almost thirty-five years of marriage later, here we are. Where was that club, by the way? In Bend, Oregon, a place called the River House. Oh, okay. See, there. see, I tried that, but I married a Hooters waitress. It didn't work out for me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know Keith's wife. She's settled. Trust me. <laughs> so I'm, I'm wondering if her, her rendition of the story is the same. <laughs> Jeez. Well, Maybe we'll, we'll get her on another <laughs> show and ask her the story. There you go. I can put her back there, too. Okay. Eric, <laughs> we're on the next show. We'll ask her the story from her perspective. Um, so it was moved back to the Portland area, started teaching, and then working in a retail selling musical instruments there, uh, Keith. I, mean, um, I did like, like most guys do, you know, when you're musicians and you get married, and pretty soon you're teaching, playing in little bands, and working in a music store. Yeah, nobody in this industry goes into the industry that way, do they, Eric? <laughs> it seems like it's a pretty standard kind of entree into this little... <laughs> yep. It almost, does. <laughs> it almost does, doesn't it? Um, computers and programming came next. And, uh, and, you know, it's interesting because we talk about these days, uh, Keith, about people coming in from the world of computers and programming into the industry. So it looked like for you that was an entry into uh, or po a potential entry into the next step, huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, I got uh, just really hooked on, you know, back in the Commodore 64 days and, you know, looking at video games and you know in the Commodore 64 they have the basic interpreter but you know you quickly learned that nobody's writing a game with that it's not fast enough and so started reading books about processors and assembly language and all that kind of stuff and then uh, you know was doing a lot of programming on the side and, and then Eric uh, here that uh, we met each other he was working in the music store when I was you know uh, wholesaling stuff to them and he got a job at to Creative Labs and called me and said there's a position there and man that's where it all started it was great well, yeah this was this was the thing is he, he was one of our he was one of our reps coming in selling us guitar strings and picks and guitars and all that kind of stuff got to know him and then I started working down in Silicon Valley we kept in touch because he's just you know a good hang and he'll pay for beers more than half the time and then at one point we're just kind of shooting the breeze like yeah you know I just wrote this game for my kid in an assembly language over the weekend because I was just dicking around I'm like oh, that's pretty serious and I knew that we were looking to expand our developer relations group so I said and he said well I'm, I'm kind of looking to get out of retail and wholesale It'd be kind of interesting to do something down there made a couple introductions and then you just blew doors in the place mm. yeah it was great it was, that was that was a great time when we were there man it was a perfect time in gaming and music and you know the and the MIDI stuff that was going on and, and, and Sonic and Emu. And then tell us about that first video game uh, there, Keith. Yeah, so the yeah the first video game I ever worked on was called Half Life, and uh, it wait, was wait 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 y'all let that sink in for a second. Listeners at home, most of you people who have played this game before, the first video game brother worked on was Half Life. Yeah, yeah, That's but uh, you know, I, I mean, I was just, I was just putting in audio tech, so you know, I didn't, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a major player there, but uh, but we did. love your modesty, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, so know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I started the whole Valve myself. Like, this is no. <laughs> yeah. no, 
No, but uh, yeah, no, it was great because it was it was my first introduction really to using you know sound and sound effects. I mean, because when I hit creative, I mean, they were all excited about having reverb in the card and having many musicians. Here, it's like you know, man, there's a lot more going on in processing, but in computers, there wasn't that much happening in real time. So uh, yeah, it was super exciting, you know. And the the tech lead there was just a, a, a great guy, and he actually came from Oregon too, where I was from. And uh, yeah, I had a had a blast doing that and then uh, the cool thing was I was working on a game and I remember one night sitting up and it was late at night and I'd been working on it and got things going and of course you got a test right so I got to play through the whole game like you know about two weeks before it ever came out and it was it was creepy I was in my kitchen by myself it was dark and those little crab people were coming out and stuff it was, it was kind of creepy I, I will be playing tonight by the way Man, Darren, Darren and I speaking of people who have wasted many hours in front of yes. life, thank you very much Thank you. Aaron <laughs> <laughs> and Justin were back to the really <laughs> And it's a tennis game, by the way. Because, like I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna fire it up tonight just so I can soak some of this in. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what we gotta do the audio for it, right, Aaron? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's extra special to me now. There I mean, there's, there's there's some cool audio stuff and some cool effects. There's a lot of that, but at the end of the day, those guys wrote a game that's fun to play. It really yeah. is a great game. Yeah. You know, that's why it still stands up. I mean, the, the tech looks a little bit dated, but the game is still really yeah. good. It works. So for all the listeners out there and you ask about the listeners, Keith, and we do have uh, a few, uh, actually. <laughs> we have uh, Justin's followers out there on Twitter, uh, all tens of them, and, uh, you know, and then the uh, collective rest of them who maybe follow me and uh, everybody else. But I think anybody who has played Half-Life in their lives uh, probably said they're going, whoa. This is the guy who did the audio. They may, once they hear this, they may go, be going to play the game themselves, uh, you know, just to soak up a little of the past. Uh, so very cool stuff. So yeah, almost 10 years there, you were approached by Sony to head an audio tech group making tech for game developers. Uh, tell us about that and uh, pretty much uh, up to what you where, where you are now, Keith. Yeah, well, uh, I got approached by Sony when PS3 was gearing up and uh, they were needing help. Um, so, you know, basically here within Sony, we have the, you know, the developers like Naughty Dog and Gorilla, and these people make, you know, like if, I'm sure you've probably heard of Uncharted and, uh, you know, well, Horizon's new game that's gonna be coming out from Gorilla here, it's been announced. And, um, you know, they just, uh, we, they needed, you know, to service all these guys and they were you know just like ramping up from the ps2 days were crazy and now ps3 was they were imagining you know how long it was going to be and they had tons of titles in in flux and it was just a, a nightmare quite frankly at the beginning i wasn't sure how long i was going to last i thought i might it was so so nightmarish that uh it was kind of tough but uh and i got in there and and just got to work with a lot of great people a lot of great sound people and uh you know, it's a different experience because Sony, you know, we have full-on studios and, you know, the, the, they've done really great stuff for the audio guys and music guys here. We've got some, you know, some just fantastic uh, people and it's been great to help them make the, the tools and stuff to, uh, you know, do the stuff they have with lots of BAFTA awards, uh, different types of awards that we've gotten into. So it's, it's been really cool. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, this is all, and, and you know, talk about, we talk about the guests that we get on this show, Keith, and they all, they range in, you know, AV and IT and all, but again, when Eric, when I asked him to see if he could find somebody, uh, you know, to be a guest on this show with us, and he told me about you, 
And I said, this is excellent because we've never had a person, that, you know, in terms of what you do on this show. And I think it's another great perspective for the industry to hear about somebody, you know, who works, uh, you know, with the game, you know, on the game side and doing audio for that. Um, talk about kind of things in development now, what you're doing now differently than what you've done before, and really just how, how developments at this point in gaming have changed so much in your world. Yeah, well, actually, you know, when I first got here, it was a little bit backwards because, you know, consoles are always a bit behind computers, you know, because... Way behind computers. And oh, yeah. <laughs> you find the box, and by the time the box comes out, you know, computers have gone far. So when I, when I first got here, it, I was kind of amazed at some of the simplicity and some of the things that they didn't do. Um, you know, even like the environmental audio, which is big, which was the main thing that I was dealing with when I was working on Half-Life. Uh, you know, the ability to put reverb in different spaces and, and uh, you know, obstruct sounds when they're behind things and all that kind of stuff. But uh, in the 10 years I've been here now, like on the PS4 especially, I mean, we have teams, Naughty Dog uses as many as 12 to 15 convolution reverbs at one time. Uh, you know, they're running, you know, including the filters and the reverbs and everything, probably 300 filters, you know. Um, uh, you know, the, the, the plethora and the DSP that we can do now in real time is, is just amazing, you know. And that, that'll show off in, you know, of course, you know, Uncharted is a great one to check out. Uh, Uncharted, well, the new one's just out, uh, but the last Uncharted, you know, one, uh, if you go look at some of the ABS sites, they'll talk about it. I mean, it got like 10 out of 10 on most sites. It's just an amazing title. But it, but they did just, oh, my God, the work they did on that. And they have a really strong audio program, which is a big thing you want when you're in audio. You know, uh, the sound designer does sounds, and that's great. They do a lot of stuff. But when you're in a, in a game environment, you need a strong programmer on your side to do all that work between sound design and integrating it into the interactivity of the game. That's definitely you know, I can only see Darren right now. Can't wait for this podcast to end so he can start going. But Justin can't wait for his New York trip to end so he can go home. <laughs> well, I, but, but besides that, I'm also just geeking out on, on on what we're actually talking about here. And I, I have to ask. Um, Is that right, Bucket? I'm hearing. Uh, yeah, I need it sounds like the bucket in New York. <laughs> that <right> is. Refill. <laughs> but um, to get down to some really uh, technical meat and potatoes. H how are you able to do s do the spatial judgment with with audio location within a game? I mean, so we're talking like how can you make somebody that. behind you? So they get so they get this they get this guy on mushrooms and put him from a console <laughs> and say, "What would you do?" <laughs> and then bam, reverb. So, you know, that's, that, that, that's a good question because actually when Eric and I were back at Creative together, uh, he actually named this tool we call Eagle and it sounded, what did that stand for? I think it was, it was all bullshit. Environmental audio, 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 audio graphics. When we first started at Creative and the whole reverb thing, the biggest technical challenge was that that time there was not enough going on for people to understand spatial subdivision. They, you know, the game didn't really know that the player was in a particular room. Half-Life 
had a node system, which was really cool. But we developed a tool that was uh, would let designers go in and put uh, geometric shapes around spaces, so they could put a box around a room, and and then from this data we could build, you know, a, a tree, a way to find out where you were. This is now something that everybody does. So there is a lot of tagging that has to be done by level designers for geometry. Okay, okay, for where okay. Rooms are. This is where Keith is being far, far too humble. What he basically did is he realized that the level programmers were the people who had the 3D maps. Mm -hmm. They never talked to the audio guys. The audio guys were giving them static sounds that they would play over and over and over. But where do so you put it? Keith, yeah, so what Keith did is he basically wrote a piece of software simply because he was effectively self-taught and nobody ever told him that's hard and you can't do it. He just said, oh, you just need this. So he immediately started working on this project where people could import the, uh, was the XMesh, if I recall correctly? They could import yeah, yeah. geometry from the level. Yeah, they could import the, the maps and the geometry from the game. That could go into a tool that they handed to the audio developers. So the audio developers could say, okay, this room is the size of a football stadium with a roof. I want it to sound like this. This room here is a smaller room. I want it to sound like this. So they basically allowed the audio designers to understand what the environment was and design the environment from an audio perspective to fit. And that's something that Keith brought to the game that nobody had thought of. Nobody had connected the dots between the programmers and the audio guys before Keith walked into the game. So walked in, uh, dropped the mic. That is outstanding. That's outstanding. So he's focusing on the Middle East next, and I think it should be, you know, <laughs> give him a couple of years. <laughs> hurry up, Keith, hurry up. <laughs> well done, well done. Yeah. Oh, you guys man. are in the presence of greatness, face it, okay? Oh, wow, I'm sure glad I came. Right. <laughs> there you so, go. Welcome so there, so trust me. Welcome to AV Power Up, instant celebrity for you. Um, anyway, so uh, Eric, let's uh, talk to you for a few minutes. We've I got all the time in the world, and I don't even need to stop to breathe. Oh, like, <laughs> like a certain uh, host from last week, we know Katie McGregor Bennett, who also doesn't have time to uh, stop to breathe, but she doesn't get paid to breathe. That's the difference. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to have this conversation with you. Okay. That's <laughs> so, oh, my God. <laughs> Eric Larson, he's back. Eric was with us in All About the Sound, another show that was about sound. We're coming back tonight to talk about sound here in the sound bar. Um, Eric, great things going on. We're going to talk in a few minutes about especially particular two things going on over at Tascam. As a matter of fact, I'm uh, getting pretty excited about one of those things, uh, as many others, and, and, and many have them in their hands, too. And I've got to tell you, I mean, the excitement generated over this one piece of equipment is, is staggering. I'm hoping so. I'm but we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. But, you know, before we get to these products, Eric, tell us about uh, your world and, uh, you know, the world of Tascam TIAC. Things are continuing to go very, very well. A lot of the stuff that's happening in the artist relations world is starting to take uh, effect, which is nice. And one of the things that is fun for us is there's a lot of people in the MI world, the music instrument world, where you know if you're selling guitars and things you really need to go out and say okay i gotta have this this pop star this rock star and it's all about getting the big names for Tascam, the brand is a little bit different we've always been about making sure that every 15 year old kid in his or her bedroom who wanted to record a song could so we have the the, the really nice luxury 
of being able to talk to a lot of the up and coming folks and see what they're doing. So we, when I'm doing artist relations stuff, it's like getting whiplash. I mean, I'm talking to everybody about everything. I'm talking to a group of the Hazel Rig Brothers right now on the East Coast are getting ready to record their album using Tascam gear. These guys, the whole idea is that they basically, it sounds funny to say, but they play acoustic instruments, piano, stand-up bass. Their whole thing is they actually, wait for it, practice, and they record everything straight to stereo. So oh, wow. just, that's their thing. Wow. Which is, it's funny to say that, it's funny that that's unusual now, but it's awesome. These guys right now, they sent me some pictures. They are refurbishing an 1887 Steinway Grand to record their next album with. Jeez. And they're using, they, they happen to be using a Tascam product. I, w I won't bother you with the name, but they're going to record everything at either 5.6 megahertz DSD with one of our Tascam products or at 192, and they're going to get the performances straight to stereo. And this is badass. I mean, me and my buddy were over here the other day trying to record some songs. We were playing three chords in the same order, and we screwed up four times. You know, and these guys are out there just doing phenomenal stuff. So that's cool. By the same token, I'm working with this guy, Gavin Kelly, and I'll show you the product in a minute, but he's working with the Phantasmic Ghost Hunters. They've got a show coming up that's probably going to be on a couple of the different um, Netflixy, Amazon-y kind of networks. But these guys are doing the, the, the paranormal stuff. He's using one of our handheld devices that goes up to 192 because it gives him the bandwidth and the frequency response that he's looking for to catch these EVPs. So, you know, I'm having these conversations, you know, one after the other. I'm working with Ted from Death Angel, who's using one of our digital recorders on the road so he can practice before every gig. You know, you just start working with these artists and these people, and it's just a blast. I mean, I have sold widgets to people in a lot of places in Silicon Valley and it's taken all those same skills but the ability to sell toys to artists you know I, I hope my boss doesn't hear this because they're overpaying me for what I do <laughs> it, is just, it is actually a great job you know it is one of those things that I wake up wanting to do and I've said it before where I was lying because you know, I had to work with those companies but this is not a lie this time it's kind of strange I have no idea what it feels like to tell the truth as a marketing guy your boss is actually getting the first email with the link for this show, Eric. Oh, you'll never find it. <laughs> He'll be the first. <laughs> Unless he's too busy to listen, he'll be the first. <laughs> but no, it's all great stuff. And I tell you, it sounds like, you know, your world is a great world to live in there, Eric. It really is. It sounds like it's exciting from the moment you get up from the, from the time you go back, go to sleep at night. Yeah, I mean, it, it is just a lot of fun and you start to deal with these people and the nice thing is you're dealing with people where you get a little, a little glance into their world kind of across the board. When I was dealing with stuff a couple of jobs ago where I was marketing stud finders, I was talking to people who wanted to figure out how to find wood or lay pipe. That was... No other way to phrase that really. And then when I was working... Uh, that's what she said. Yeah. I mean, there's really nothing you can do with it. Have that. another one, Justin. No, I think that's, unfortunately, that's just the sad truth of the stud finder industry these days. Uh, and we're working with people who are selling apps to law enforcement. You kind of got into that world. And it's, it's fantastic. It's deep. It's interesting. What's nice about this one is the variety. You know, you're, you're not talking to the same thing over and over and over. It's not, it's not a rocker all the time. It's not a jazzer all the time. It's, you know, we, we're talking to people who are doing audio for video. We're talking to people who are doing hardcore professional recording. You know, we got a tour of Capitol Studios a couple of weeks ago, and I was able to be two feet away from the Sinatra mic that they were using for a session that day. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, aside from the work and all this stuff, this is really like, it's like going to Disneyland kind of every day, and it's, 
it's it's interesting to be in the music industry with all these people who grew up in the music industry and they're walking around all bitter and jaded and you just want to slap them because they have no idea what it is to slog nonsense in Silicon Valley to people who can't stay awake during the board meeting. Justin goes to Disneyland every day. He works at Google. <laughs> right? Well, Christine, hopefully. Uh, I do go to Google. I mean, <laughs> they pay my check. They, they sign my check, so I kind of have to go to Google. But I can relate to Eric. I mean, it's... You know, through a, a, a lot of interesting twists and turns, somehow Google found me worthy to bring on board, and now I go do deployment and development in the job field that I love, in a, in a place that is like the Disneyland of Silicon Valley, if you want to call it that. <laughs> okay. Each day is a new adventure. All right. Well, you might meet Eric one of these days driving around Silicon Valley. We were talking about, I'm going to come see him at the office in a couple of weeks. We talked oh, about that right now. You're going to go, you're going to go trip to, take a trip over to Google, huh, Eric? We're neighbors. He's like, come on and see the place. You know, last time I did, last time I was close was driving by to see Flight of the Concords. We drove by and waved to the building, but I want to go inside this time without the security guards firing up. <laughs> 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 you better go bowling. Right? Oh, oh there, there you go. Where are you located, Keith? Uh, uh, San Mateo, right on the edge of Foster City is where our offices are. I actually live in Livermore, where Eric is, but uh, the, the Sony offices are in San Mateo. Oh, okay. There you go. So, uh, happening things out there uh, in your neck of the woods. Me and Darren, we we really, there's no Disneyland here in Virginia, I got to tell you. It's, so <laughs> it's strictly business out here, guys. All business here in Virginia, you know. We don't I have. It was for lovers, though. I thought that. No, that's, no, it was no, all. That's to get you here. No, 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 no. It's no. to get you here. Virginia is like that, that mullet. It's business in front, but it's party in the back. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I have no idea what I you're saying. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> And, and Justin, that, that, that actually, that, that, that analogy does quite fit in. I know my area, um, it's, everybody works very hard, and then you'll see uh, Sunday you'll go out and do a, you know, do a drive, and you'll see all the signs that have been knocked over from people driving drunk. So think, so think about it. You go to D.C. to work. That's the business in the front. You get out of D.C., it's party in the back. It's a mullet. It is a mullet. Uh, well, I don't know about the parties you've experienced, Darren. I've experienced a few on my own, and uh, I won't I can't party anymore. I'm a dad. You are a dad. That's I don't know how have to... responsibilities. Yeah. All right? Don't influence this guy, okay? <laughs> you, you, though, uh, Justin Watts. Uh, you know. I'm a dad, too. That's right. You are. So, uh, you know, my kids are grown. They're out, so I can do fun things. Anyway... Um, Eric Larson, uh, sounds like all's going on well in your world. We're going to get back to you on those, uh, those products that were just released recently. And one of them has people in the podcast world going all gaga. Um, oh, flutter, I, I believe is the phrase you're looking for. Oh, flutter. That's, that's another good one. <laughs> yeah. I was going with a slightly different facial expression. But that'll work. <laughs> and Darren emphasized it. There we go. Uh, but I know I am uh, really excited about this. Uh, Keith, we'll get back to you on a few other things. But right now, we are going to uh, take a break. And we are going to do this thing that we normally do in the middle. We call it Hot Jobs. Tier PM. Uh, TierPM.com. T-I-E-R-P-M.com. They are great people. I tell you, they are some of the best recruiters in the industry, AV and IT jobs. Anybody looking for a job in this industry, you go to Tier PM. Here are two hot jobs. The first, Job 645, AV programmer in Los Angeles, California. 
The ideal candidate will have at least two to three years of Questron, Extron, BiAmp, or AMX programming experience and should be experienced in coordinating with audiovisual engineers and customers to develop touch panel designs. Must be able to troubleshoot complex audio, video, switching, and control systems problems as required. CTS and or any CSP certifications are nice to have. That is job 645 AV program in Los Angeles, California. Next is job 646 AV installation technician also in Los Angeles, California. It looks like everything's out your way, guys, uh, tonight uh, here on Hot Jobs. <laughs> no, you know, I tell you, nothing happens here on the East Coast. It's amazing. It's very dull. Everything's very exciting out your way. So here's two jobs out in California. Uh, go for them. Job number 646, again, AV installation technician in Los Angeles. The ideal candidate will have at least two to three years of experience working on commercial integration projects and have experience with racking, uh, that's parentheses, fabricating and mounting, pulling, crimping, terminating cables, and connecting components as required by blueprints and designs. Must have knowledge of commercial construction methods such as ceiling deck construction, wall framing, and structural engineering. Additionally, experience in configuring and troubleshooting Crestron, AMX, and Extron audiovisual control systems is required. CTS or CTSI is nice to have. Again, that is job 646, AV installation technician, Los Angeles, California. These jobs and more, again, can be found at tierpm, that's T-I-E-R-P-M, dot com. Now, that part of the show that we all look forward to. And I got to tell you tonight, I think this one is going to be so far out of the park, you may not find this ball once it lands. Aren't you supposed to find it? Well, you, you try. But I got to tell you, I think this one's just going to go so far out of the park. It, this may unravel, actually, as it goes out of the park. Uh, with the power-up, the Google himself, Justin Watts, go. All right. <clears throat> going to throw here real quick. Need some more, uh, some more Kettle 1 to get this going. So, looking at our guests and really all of us that are on this podcast, there's one common theme that seems to permeate everything that we do in this industry, and it's hard work. A lot of people are looking in our industry for that magic bullet, for that way to make it big. Um, I know Eric can attest to this in some instances in which you have the artist that feels that this one song, this one single is going to make it for them. In our industry, we have people looking for that one thing that's going to make their name or, or, or make it big for them. The only thing that will make it big for you in this industry is hard work. Getting your hands in the trenches, getting dirty, and doing those things that may or may not be glamorous. Look at Keith. Keith had a lot of jobs prior to what he's doing now at Sony that were not glamorous. He may have had insight in those areas and he trained himself and now he's working for one of the largest entertainment companies on the face of the earth doing something that me, myself, and Darren and others like us who are huge video game nerds look at Keith and say, you've got to be kidding me. This is amazing. Being in your presence is like being in the presence of the, of, you know, the majestic Sony unicorn, if you will, at this point in time. We truly do 
look for that instance in life. And what it's going to take is hard work. You can't just walk out of a classroom. You can't just walk out of a training event and assume that this is it, that you've made it. It's going to take you putting the time in. It's going to take you putting in the effort. Because at the end of the day, the bank of hard work does not give you credit for what you do. You have to earn it. So in this industry, if you want to make it, if you want to have that hit single, if you want to have your name in lights, if you want to have that next component in your career, you have to earn it. And that is the AV power up. You know, I'm watching the ball go and it's still going and there it goes and it's starting to unravel. And uh, yeah, I tell you that, Eric, was that a was that a home run of a uh, monstrous proportion? I told myself I wouldn't cry. Uh, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> um, I uh, I have to uh, get to bed early. I have to get up, and apparently I've got some shitty work to do because I am not catching up to these guys. Uh, I kind of been phoning this in for the last twenty years, and I guess I got to get my act together. Well, think yeah. about it. Think about it. I mean, how many people? How many people in in the the next up and coming that say say you're you're working with someone to try and train them up and doing something. How many people have you run into that say, I got this, or say that, you know, this is, you know, this is nothing, you know, this is, this is not worth my time. Or even, yeah. you know, this is not something that I'm going to do 10 years down the road. Guess what? Mm -hmm. You can learn from everything. Yeah, there, there's a lot of that. I mean, you know, very rarely now do I hear, you know, I won't be doing this 10 years down the road. Um, People who say I won't be doing this 10 years down the road will be doing that 10 years down the road. It's the people who exactly. say, like, I'm going to do this well now, and then I'm going to move on to the, you know, then, then we're going to see where it goes. But I think for a lot of us here, I mean, I think that Keith and I probably could attest to this. I have no specific long-term plan. I mean, it's odd now that I actually do have the job that I thought would be cool when I was 15, but you know, I, a lot of the jobs I have, I didn't even know existed. I think it's, it's a matter of saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to go in, I'm going to pay attention, I'm going to find something to enjoy no matter what it is. I'm going to make sure that I under-promise and over-deliver. I'm going to get my work done. I'm going to make sure I'm never stealing my paycheck, and I move, move on to the next one. And you either ride something out or take advantage of a new opportunity, but you just kind of ride the wave. You never know where it's going to go. I mean, if you try and plan life, you're going to be disappointed, sadly, a lot. You know, I'm not sure what I did to get my current employer to hire me. Oh no, I know exactly what it was. And I, I, I have the amount that you paid right here. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, there's a dollar sign. There <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, I mean, I get to go to work every day and do something that I love and I can look back on my collective experience in the AV industry or any industry for that matter and point and say, what I do now, I learned this from there and I learned this from there and I learned this from there. And it meant some long nights. And some real shitty days afterwards. It meant doing stuff that I really did not want to do or had no business doing in the first place. It's not one of those things that, you know, nobody wants to sit there and clean a road truck out after a show and knocking all the white powder down the, down the drain because you don't want anybody coming to see what's going on in the truck, yep. right? Nobody wants to get up at three o'clock in the morning, take the box truck out that just got back from the previous show, hit the uh, incline over the railroad tracks by the shop, hit the brakes and have all the whiskey and beer bottles hitching the back of the legs because the last crew that dropped it off didn't clear the beer out of, out of the back seat before it was done. Nobody wants to do that. But if you do it, if you get your hands dirty and get into it, you can build yourself into a point where you walk around one day and say, I found my dream job. 
I found my place in this. I, I do believe that the best resume is just doing it. Show up, do it, try not to piss anybody off accidentally, and go home. Yep. Here's a, I don't know if everybody here has seen The Wrecking Crew, the movie. Genius. About, yeah, yep. and in there, uh, Tommy Tedesco, the great late Tommy Tedesco, a guitarist that probably mm -hmm. everybody's heard a bazillion times and a lot of people don't know about, but he, he, he says, I, I studied common sense more than I studied guitar. And I think that right there says it. If, you know, you can't, you know, you got to use your common sense. And you a know, lot of times people get a little too grandioso with everything. And in the game industry, that's a big problem. You know, you know, or, or, or waiting and waiting or oh, it could be that much better. You, know, you have to complete projects. Yeah, and I tell you, I think I think you have to bring something else with you. I mean, you can bring yourself to the game, you can bring your skills and everything, but I think you have to bring that something else. And whatever it is, you know, it's hard to find, but you have to bring more than the other guy, as far as I know. And if you do, and and hopefully that brings you success. You know, I know what you're saying, Eric. Show up to work, do your thing. Don't piss anybody off in the process and all that. But, but there, there's, there's even that extra, I think, that anyone can bring to the, you know, to the process and, and build it that much bigger. I, I would agree. But, you know, my feeling is if I'm going to take the paycheck, my job is to say yes. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's, what, that's what you get paid to do. Mm -hmm. Then you figure it out. But, it, you know, nobody wants to work into a meeting room and talk to somebody who's telling you all the reasons why it can't be done. You just got to go through. You've got to lay out, like, okay, here is the goal. Are we, are we good on the goal? Don't worry about the tactics. Don't worry about the details. Are we all agreed on the goal? Okay, now, now that we're there, now let's just move towards it. And you simply check it off little by little. No matter what project you're working on, there's a billion ways to do it. You pick one. You start moving. You adjust as you go, and you go. And if you can get a reputation as someone who moves the ball forward, gets the job done, and gets people closer to that cold beer at the end of the day, you succeed. It's, That's right. It ain't that complex. That's right. And I think that that is that little extra too. And, you know, and I'm, I'm talking to Darren before we started tonight was like, you know, he said, all right, back to business. Hey, man, he went on his vacation. He's back, ready to go, to, ready to go. Uh, exactly. You know, business is at hand. And, and that's the way to be as far as I'm concerned. Uh, so I think you bring a level of excitement to it and everything else you do, Eric. And that's a big deal, too. So, uh, Justin, home run, man. You did it. I tell you, every show. Uh, I don't know, you know. Keep talking. I wish I had gotten the don't piss anybody off stuff. I have a whole line of that laying. Uh, well, so I would say, I would, I, would, I would clarify that and say, don't piss off the hand that feeds you. That the customer <laughs> <laughs> but something you, can, you can do it a couple of times. You want well, to choose your best. <laughs> but, but if there's somebody in your way that's being a blocker, being that person that always says <laughs> no, I will happily piss said person off and get the job done. I'm just saying. Exactly, but usually, usually there, there's a way. There's usually a way to turn a roadblock into a ramp. Yeah, uh, that's actually uh, what I call social engineering. Um, and that's oh, I'm actually, a middle child. It's, it's, about, it's about having to figure out how you can like, keep your head down and still yeah. look like a rock star. And that's, that's, that's a skill <laughs> that you also have to develop outside of actually knowing your ones and zeros. You got to know how to talk to people and deal with people. Mm -hmm. uh, it's actually been the biggest lesson that I've learned over the last couple of years. You can have all the smarts in the world, but you have to communicate. Wow. I think that's part. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I mean, it's certain, you know, obviously, um, if Keith couldn't do his job, he wouldn't have his job. 
but you could, you know, the fact that he, if he was fantastic at his job and was a complete and total ass munch, then <laughs> it would probably be more difficult. And he's not total. It's, right. it's partial. Yeah. I would say, you know, it depends. I mean, it kind of, it changes with the cycles of the moon, but uh, it, it goes up in there. But, uh, you yeah. know, for the most you part, me. Hey, think about all those years Keith had worked in retail too. Uh, you know, that has, uh, well, right. But that's there where the smile and nod comes in. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, let's get to let's get back to the sound bar here. And we're gonna go to the second half. And we are going to talk about those two products Eric Larson is bringing to the table with Tascam. And this is pure excitement as far as I'm concerned. Uh before uh me it is. Uh, before we get to that, uh, Keith, uh, so uh, any real big happenings over at Sony now, games-wise and all? Uh, well, uh, there's probably a lot of stuff I can't talk about. <laughs> well, we <laughs> expect to break the out today. It's PS4 Pro. I don't know that, uh, you know, so... Uh, uh, it, it's a new updated PS4 with a hyped up graphics chip and we've got some titles that will be coming out for that that are going to look absolutely amazing and stunning. Mm -hmm. PS4 Pro, big deal right now. Uh, there was another product release that happened uh, ooh, was today as a matter of fact. And we'll talk about that because uh, yeah, there, there's been a lot of uh, unhappy talk where that's concerned. About the Blu-ray player? Uh, and <laughs> 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 oh, well, you will see. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, before we get to the unhappy talk, Eric, we're gonna, we'll get to some happy talk here. Before we do, though, this being the sound bar, uh, we do have a little, uh, we do have some refreshments going here. Um, Justin Watts, uh, what's going on over there in your neck of the woods in New York, huh? It's uh what's left of my kettle one and red bull thank god because i'm 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 tired this helps a lot <laughs> <laughs> this is keeping justin awake for the podcast uh eric larson what you uh vibing on your end there as this is after business hours so I'm, yes it is and i'm uh, absolutely working remotely i'm finishing a, a nice 12 year scotch that was a birthday gift for my buddy scott taylor this weekend wow. a, a nice little, uh, single malt Nice, very nice. Darren Pinchback, I know what you're doing over there. Yeah, keeping it classy, man. Budweiser, America, America. Corey, are you are you doing Zima or cider jack at this point? <laughs> <laughs> Rough. So we're getting to my favorite, and uh, it is neither, as a matter of fact. Uh, Arnold's and James. Am I going to Oh, you're bringing back the good old days, aren't you? Hey, no, no, no. I got it. I got it. Thunderbird. Garrett Are we going back to Thunderbird? Bring up Boone's, Boone's Farm right now. Hey, huh? you said it. I'm just saying. I mean, no, no. I, you know, I was wondering. Oh, we're, middle, Corey. we're drinking some America over here too. Uh, a little Bud Light going on here. Cheers. So uh, there you go. Cheers to you over there, uh, 20 minutes away from me, um, and and you two there over in New York, who should be uh, in California. Uh, Keith Charlie uh, has his uh, coffee mug, keeping it real. That's uh, I'm California 420. My man. <laughs> <laughs> My man. He's keeping it real. That's all that matters. There you go. Like so uh, we are going to move over to Eric Larson and these two products, which just came out. And the first one we're going to talk about 
is that DR100 MK3, uh, that stereo portable recorder. Um, good stuff there, Eric. Tell us all about it. This one, I won't get too long-winded, but this one is kind of nice. We, of course, pioneered the portable digital handheld recorder market way, way, way back when, and this is our new top of the line. So this is a handheld recorder that will record at 192 uh, kilohertz and 24-bit, uh, and will get you unbelievable recordings. The inherent signal-noise ratio can go up to 109 dB on this. It's got some of the best preamps we've ever put in a portable device. It's got dual directional or omnidirectional microphones as well as XLR jacks with phantom power. And this is basically a professional quality stereo recorder in a handheld device. So this is something that can be used for just getting sound effects out in nature. We've got a bunch of sound designers and audio guys around the world who are using this to capture stuff in incredibly high frequency ranges. We're also working with a number of music guys who are using this to record their bands live. We're working with the folks who are going to be doing some podcasts down from OzFest coming up. They're considering using one of these to just capture everything off the board in stereo. And it is just a very robust, beautiful, and portable handheld recorder. Cool. So just, just out now, it's kicking ass. Um, can you explain a little bit about the um, – you, you, I see that you guys are actually uh, running a, a reference recording, a low-gain reference recording. Uh, so that when you press record, um, it'll actually uh, record and back up a... Uh, yeah, this basically is, is a safety recording. And this is something we've been doing. It's, it's kind of the, the dual record mode. And this is something we've been doing for a while. And this is something that was really requested by a lot of the guys in the field. Is quite honestly, everybody out there sets their game so that they have somebody, you know, they're, they're going to talk to the talent. Maybe it's some incredibly attractive director of marketing at a technology firm down in Los Angeles who occasionally works remote from the San Francisco Bay Area. And they want to record him talking about the new products that he's coming out with. So they'll set the gains and they'll make sure everything's set. And then immediately that douchebag starts screaming at the top of his lungs, hitting the camera, and the entire thing is blown out of whack. So what we do is we will automatically record a safety take about 10 or 12 dB lower than where you set the gains so that if that corporate douchebag decides to start screaming and hitting the counter, you have a safety track. And that's something we put in a lot of our production machines and we have saved more movies and TV shows than you will ever know because of that. Yeah. Eric, I'm sensing you're referring to a moment or two when you say that. No, or is that no, I'm just, just a generalization. I get excited. I mean, you start talking to me, and I, I basically am happy to be here, but you ask me about my product. I'm like, well, that's right, Corey. Let me tell you about the new It's a fantastic device. I look at that for six or seven hours until my wife comes and goes, shut the hell up. So, it, it, what happens is whenever you put the camera on anybody, and the red light goes on, the adrenaline goes up, all the Red Bull comes through the veins, and they start screaming. So this is basically the douchebag tape, and it is fantastic because it's just there, and we record that all the time. Eric's going to come on every show for uh, sound effects and, uh, and dramatizations. Tyler <laughs> <laughs> has a long release time there. It took a while. Really? Nothing about me has a long release time. We're going to mute you for the rest of the show, Eric. Oh. <laughs> we can't wait for what's next, uh, <laughs> or I will meet you next time. Uh, but uh, Ed, it is a beautiful piece, and it's it's something that we've got musicians using. As I mentioned earlier, we've got these guys who are doing the ghost hunting thing out there with it, and it's, it's just it's the best we've ever made, and it's it's coming out now, and we're really happy with it. Cool. Hey, there's one more piece of uh, information here. So marketing really uh, got jazzed up when they uh, talked about Velvet Sound architecture. Velvet exactly. Sound. 
there's velvets down there, Eric. You know, basically what we do is we, we've got the chips in there for the analog digital converters and the preamps, and what we're basically doing is we have a couple options with the ways that we treat the high-end roll-off and the brick wall filters at the high-end. I mean, we're, we're dealing with things at 192 or 96 kilohertz, and you have to have a brick wall filter to avoid that aliasing. There's a couple of ways you can do it. We basically chose the one that we feel ends up with a warm and smooth sound as opposed to one which could go the other direction. When you're dealing with things like this, a lot of what's happening, like any other recording arts product, is subjective in the top end. You can look at the measurements and you can say, okay, this is accurate, but accurate in the digital world, in the same way that accurate in the vinyl world was different, you know, when you have a turntable, you have to have the preamp, and you have to basically bring it back up to where you want it. We basically were able to look at this and say, regardless of what's coming out of the signal, this is what we want to have hit the ear. So we were able to, to basically do this so that you end up with a smoothness on the top end because what we're talking about with a high frequency capture that's available is really something that is going to potentially, the clarity is so good that you want to make sure it's something that's pleasing. That's something that happened when the first high def TVs came out is people realized that the people on the soap operas weren't as good looking as they thought they were. And the news doesn't look as good in high def. So a lot of these things, they start to, you have to understand how to film for high def. So we, in the same way, you have to understand how you can record for high def. I'm just thinking maybe you should have called it the Barry White architecture. If you know you're looking well, for then there's a whole thing. You know, you got to pay people for you to record. It's a whole. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> I may be in trouble now. Well, you know, as long as you know, listeners don't go and crank their trouble up because they think that that sounds cool. Um, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely want to have something that's there, but it's just a matter of understanding how you have, like you have to tune everything else. I mean, no matter what anybody says, there is no true speaker on the market. Everything is voiced. Every set of headphones is voiced, and everything is done at a subjective level, at some level, to try and say this is how humans want to perceive it. So what we've done is we've been able to say, okay, we think that at the levels that we're recording with the noise floor we have, we actually want to shape the sound in this manner so that it appears to be accurate and pleasing. Because reality and perception are not the same thing, but that's a whole different show. All right. Let's get to this product that every podcaster needs. Right, Eric? Absolutely. Wait, is that what Taz yeah. is saying? Every podcaster needs this. Every podcaster. That's uh, Jack Daniels Whiskey. So it's been brewed for about 175 years. It's a fantastic product. All right, we are talking about the mini studio creator. Uh, I used, well, let me just say, I used this product at Infocom. Um, it was dynamite. Uh, and, you know, Eric, I mean, here we go, here it is. Uh, it's out there and it's flying off the uh, shelves, right? It, it's out there and it's new, and we, we have two models. It is the new mini studio. And this is something that I think is interesting for Tascam. As far as the director of marketing, I think it's, it's absolutely core to the company's brand values and it, it ticks all the boxes. But what this is, is this is an interface slash mic preamp for the podcaster, for the YouTuber. Because right now, a lot of the stuff that you're doing, Corey, you say, okay, I know in the back of your mind, I know I'm going to put music here. I know I'm going to put a sound effect here. I know right. I'm going to do this to my vocal. Right. What this thing does is we just say, okay, let's take it from being a post-production to being a performance tool. So it's a cool little white box. You plug your microphone into it. If you decide you want to tell a story about being in a cave or Keith's talking about doing stuff with uh, 
with Half-Life way back when, he could reach over, grab the reverb knob. It's got DSP built in. You can add reverb in real time. If you decide you want to play a song off your computer, you could simply hit something on iTunes and it would be streaming directly through the system. We have what we're calling on buttons, P-O-N, which is a, an odd little Japanese term about the sound that a hand drum makes when you hit it. You can assign any three sound effects you want in software to three physical buttons. Mm -hmm. So while you're doing this, I mean, every time I say something fantastically enlightening or Justin goes off on another one of his random vodka-fueled rants, you could hit, you know, applause, you could hit the booze, you could hit the crash. And out. Red Bull. Yeah, exactly. Whatever you want to. Wait, 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 wait. I don't think vodka fuels this shit. I think it's the Red Bull that keeps me going. The vodka <laughs> that's, that's it. There you go. He'd be asleep by now if it wasn't for the Red Bull, so. It's the Watts. That, you know, being a podcaster, Eric, and Justin does shows with me, um, and I keep telling Darren, you listen to this guy's voice, and I say, dude, you should be podcasting. Listen to Darren's voice, and you say, this guy's got to start podcasting. Well, it's because I'm doing things over on this end, but I won't tell anybody that. So. Okay, well, that's <laughs> all right, secrets be known. This is the show you share on, not keep secrets on. Show me on the puppet where the man touched you. <laughs> Okay, that'll be enough. <laughs> but anyway, um, you know, Eric, uh, this is such a great product. It really is. And, uh, you know, I can't, and a lot of things that I want to do, this will allow me to do. And there are others listening to this podcast who are podcasters themselves or wanting to get into podcasting. So tell those people, Eric, you know, the ones who are podcasters or especially those wanting to get into podcasting, what exactly this product will do to either build out their podcasts or really be influential to those uh, wanting to get into that. I, I would love to. So what it really does is it allows you to turn your system into a true performance studio. I don't want to say production because it's all about real-time performance. So as you're doing this live, you can decide if you want to crank the preamp. If you want to add echo, you can do that. If you want to raise your voice and echo, you can do that. It's all the touch of a button. You want to fly in sound effects, you can do it. It's basically, I mean, we all grew up listening to the Morning Zoo or Howard Stern and all the cool sound effects. You now can do that at your desktop because everybody has these ideas as they're having these conversations. I mean, as Justin's talking, as Darren's talking, there's all these opportunities and you think about the fly, you know, on the fly, you'd hit the buttons and you could make it part of the performance. To go back and post is a little bit of a different thing, and that's where everybody's, everybody's been doing it now. So what we're really trying to do is make sure that people can bring this kind of real-time access to what they're doing for podcasts. And what's interesting about this from a Tascam perspective is back in 79, we released the first Porta Studios, which were the four-track digital re or four-track portable recorders on cassette that allowed kids in their bedrooms and bands in the garage to make their own records. These people had a voice, they had something they wanted to say, and they had no other way to express themselves artistically. We gave them the tool to do that. That's exactly what I see was happening with the podcast and the, the mini studio is you've got these people who want to communicate in exactly the same way that guitar players did in 79, but these people don't play guitar, they don't play piano, they talk, they communicate. So it's taking exactly that same need to be heard, that need to produce, that need to produce, be able to provide a professional quality product to the world and giving it to people. At the end of the day, like I said, you know, we make hammers for artists. That's what we do. And that's what the mini studio really is. Cool. Mic drop. 
Yep, that was definitely a mic drop. Right, you see that? I actually have the new TMP, uh, the PC One from Task Game, which I will now drop. At yeah, this don't moment. drop that. No, 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 no. I can't. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Don't just we'll just make believe you did. Right um, now, if this is a mini studio, you can ha have the mic drop sound. That's right. There you go. So with the mini studio, you can have that mic drop sound soon enough. The mic. So this hopefully will be a mini studio fueled podcast as soon as humanly possible. Absolutely, and we're looking forward to it. As a matter of fact, we'll get you back for that one, Eric. So uh, you me? try and keep me away. There you go. All right, he's going to be uh, barnstorming this thing now. Uh, I was going to drive over to your house and look for beer, but whatever. It'll <laughs> <laughs> well, be a long drive for you, but okay, we'll see what. Trust happens. me, I got time. Oh, got guys got time there you go. <laughs> on the road. Uh, we're going to go uh, do a quick hit here to this company that decided to, um, oh, make your new iPhone experience a little bit painful. Uh, so the iPhone 7 and, uh, well, wireless headphones. So let's put it this way. Apple killed the headphone jack. All right. A little quick hit here, guys. A little uh, thought. Justin Watts, what the hell did Apple do? What are they thinking? So when you first said that, the first thing I thought of was uh, video killed the radio star, but I'll skip through that. Um, headphone jack, you've got to be kidding me, man. Of all the things, I mean, I get it. They're trying to be innovative. They're trying to, to make that next gen of iPhone pop and something people want. You don't do it by killing a 3.5 millimeter jack and then developing wireless earbuds that look like you have 85-year-old gray old man hair hanging out of your ears when you use them, okay? I'm just saying. And on top of that, I mean, people have been predicting this for like two, three, three years now. So I don't, I, I, I'm still flabbergasted. I understand where it's at. I understand what's going on. I just don't think this was the innovative step they needed to take to try and get customers back. I don't think it's enough, honestly. There needs to be more innovation in the product itself versus just trimming away features or adding fancy cameras at this point. Keith, what in the hell was Tim Cook thinking by doing this? Uh, I think he was thinking he wanted to sell a bunch of wireless earbuds. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you think so, huh? You think so? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty uh, bizarre twist there. That's a crappy move, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Darren Pinchback, what in the world is going on here? People are lining up blocks and blocks away to get their iPhone 7 without a 3.5 Well, jack. the reality is is the people that are standing in those long long lines um, they don't need a 3.5 <laughs> jack. They don't care. So, I think it's stupid. They don't, they don't care. care. They, don't, they, don't, they don't care. He makes a point. They don't care. It, but still, I don't like all, it. Of all the things to innovate, we're going to kill the eighth inch jack on the. Yay! Woohoo! I'm going to go buy the iPhone 7. No, I'm not going to. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. Eric Larson, please tell me what's in this guy's head by, by doing this. I'm not going to play the middle child card and just kind of waffle. I think there are a lot of headphone manufacturers who are going to be very confused and frightened by this. By the same token, I'll tell you flat out, I didn't get the iPad when it came out, I thought it was ridiculous. I was completely wrong, and what I'm looking around, if I look at the rest of the landscape right now, I don't see a lot of people out there violently shaking up as far the world as far as technology, so if this is what it takes to put a shift, it's interesting. I, I'm, it's a bold move, 
it doesn't necessarily make sense for me right now. I can't say that I'm going to upgrade to the seven because of this, but I am very curious as to what the plan of attack here. Now, there are a lot of other people out there, and we're looking at it saying, okay, so how do I connect this to this device, that device? Can I charge it while I use headphones? What's going to go on? I mean, it changes the ecosystem dramatically. We've got products right now that will allow people to use the new one with the lightning connector with our fantastic DAX and headphone amps, but what happens when you try and charge and play for three hours on a road trip? I, I just don't know. It's, it's interesting to see where it's going to go. It's... So it's such a dramatic shot over the bow. I'm very interested to see what's next. This is not something a marketing person does accidentally. Mm -hmm. Are you saying that Tim Cook is change gaming the device, the mobile device industry with this? I say, in my opinion, he's absolutely trying. You don't do, this is not an accident. This is a very deliberate move. So I'm very curious to see what the end game is going to be. I'm thinking along the lines of Keith is that he's trying to he's going to try to sell these expensivo. Oh no, he's he's not going to try. He's absolutely going to sell. No, 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 no. <laughs> it is. You're right. It's not going to be try. He's going to sell these expensive, uh, you know, uh, wireless uh, earbuds, heads, whatever they are, headsets. That's the game here. Come on, let's get real. I'm not buying into it. Sell and sell again. Right. Well, we could be having this conversation years ago. Well, nobody's ever going to want to buy their music over the internet. You go to record stores like everybody else does because the guy behind the counter recommends a good record for you. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, at some point, I've gotten to, I'm afraid that it might be my age, you know, shaking my cane, yelling, get out of my yard, give me my headphone jack back. I, I want to be caution myself against doing that. Mm. You know what? You just talked about records there, Eric, final. I got to tell you, back in the day, you know, Keith and I were born that same year. I knew uh, it was vinyl. You know, uh, I mean, <laughs> yeah. we're not going to reveal that, by the way. But you know what? That was the days of vinyl. I mean, and we're talking about the 70s. Uh, we were born a little before that. Um, maybe you were born then. Maybe you were born after then. But you do have a favorite 70s band, classic rock. You must. Okay, a classic rock band or artist that favorite album that that you know vinyl. We're talking vinyl here. We may be talking eight tracks because I did. Oh yeah, yeah. Then. Okay, those eight tracks spinning and spinning until the tape just totally ran you know ran out of it. I um, loved it when they had to cut it in the middle of the song. It went kerchunk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right, right. There you go. But that was it. Vinyl. You talked about walking into that record store, Eric, Tower Records, all of that. Those were the days, right? So tonight on the sound, in the soundbar, we're talking about 70s classic rock. So we're each going to talk about our favorite band or artist, our favorite album. And I have a couple of other people from outside of this podcast who also weighed in on that. I'll talk about them too. So we are going to start with you, Keith Charlie. Uh, tell us about that favorite 70s classic rock band or artist and that favorite album. Well, yeah, for me in the 70s, man, it was all about Led Zeppelin. You know, I was uh, totally in the uh, okay. And, um, but, you know, influentially, artists and things like Carlos Santana had a huge influence on me. I saw him live during the Moonflower. Moonflower Santana, for me, is like one of the best mm -hmm. albums ever. Mm -hmm. and, uh, I, I just love it. But, I love, you know, Led Zeppelin, they just, 
uh, and especially when I got up into physical graffiti, they just had so much variety Whoa. and stuff that they did. You know, I, I remember riding my bicycle up to the record store that we don't have anymore to <laughs> buy that album. You know? and, mm -hmm. Oh, God, you listen to it night after night after night. It was, you know, I just loved it. Oh, I remember when physical graffiti came out. That was an amazing, amazing album, I tell you. That really was. Yeah, that's a that was a groundbreaker, too, I must say, with Hud Zeppelin. Um, all right, Darren Pitchback, what you got? Um, you know, obviously, I I didn't grow up in the seventies, but uh, <laughs> but that's a good but, uh, he makes it, You know, he he stays look young looking there. <laughs> <laughs> the guy's fifty seven. I don't know how he does it. You know, <laughs> you know. Uh, what I what I what I will say though is um, so. I remember going to my father at, at a young age and saying, you know, I want to play the drums. And he was like, okay, that's cool. What do you want to play? And I was like, well, I don't know. I just want to play the drums. I think it's cool. You know, the neighbor had a drum set and I was like, I learned how to play by myself. So he's like, all right, cool. Um, and at the time he was working at a radio station um, and he was really big. He's really big into fusion. Um, so the next day he comes home from work and he drops uh, this, this record on me. Uh, it's called Birds of Fire by Mahavishnu Orchestra. And um, I, at first I, I couldn't pronounce it. I was like, Ma, what? What is this? You know, and he was just like, hey, just, just listen to it. He's like the drummer. His name is Billy Cobham. Um, listen to him and, and then talk to me, you know, once you've gotten that kind of figured out. And um, that's that sent me on a whirlwind. Um, and I was at a very young age. I was in fifth grade, and my father put a Mahavishnu Orchestra, you know, album in my hand. Um, and until this day, I still I have two copies of that that Birds of Fire on vinyl. Um, so yeah, my my '70s favorites really come down to the, the really avant-garde uh, fusion that sprouted and then kind of fizzled out. Um, and that's genius. Some of the most genius music. A lot of people don't know about it. Um, but, but yeah, there you go. Check it out. Mahavishnu Orchestra. Cool. Eric Larson. Eric, well, I'm going to, I'm going to go before you, Eric Larson, right. because we're going to have you do a little cool thing here. No, no, there's all, there, you, you might be surprised tonight. All right. Well, all right. You bring surprises. That's cool. <laughs> you know what I'm going to do? Because Keith uh, Zeppelin was a very big deal for me. No question about it. Um, I'm going to talk about Boston. Because right? I'll tell you, that first yeah. album that Boston put out. All right. Tom Scholes, one of the great guitarists, has ever lived in, in classic hard rock. Uh, MIT graduate and all, but that first album, and, and it's funny, I'll talk about vinyl and 8-track, because in the car, that 8-track just kept playing and playing and playing. That is one of the greatest first albums ever from a group as far as I'm concerned, because every song was a hit. Every song was classic. And to this day, if you talk about Boston's first album, again, every single song on that record was total classic uh you know and there are of course other bands putting out first albums and you know those first albums have sustained but you think about how it's gone from in the 70s up till now and the sustain it's had as a first album for any group uh I, I think that was you know that was amazing what boston did and then their follow-up to that was also uh, excellent 
you know, but I'll say when I when I got Boston's first album, it was a very big deal to me. You know, we're talking about classic rock. I'm a big hard rock fan, so you know, I'll talk about other groups at another time. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, the next guy I'll talk about, Mike Loss, uh, with the Drunk Naked Pirates. He is the creator of the Amy Power Up theme. Mike and I talked today. He threw the stones at me, and also mentioned Some Girls as uh, a favorite album, definite classic album uh, of the Stones. Uh, I think uh, a lot of people listening would agree. Of course, there are many, many classic albums of the Stones. Hard to pick one. Um, Sticky Fingers is another one that he uh, brought up. And, you know, I got to tell you, Keith, uh, you know, growing up around the time, uh, the Stones and all uh, certainly influences there too, huh? Oh, I love it. I, I love the Stones. You know, they, I mean, because they were a little bit earlier than Zeppelin, you know. True. So it was it was almost till wasn't till a little later in the seventies that I really started listening to them because I was so zapped up. But I want I want to ask Darren. You, you were talking about Mahavishnu. Did you listen to Brand X? No, I've heard of Brand X. I'm actually uh, checking it out right now on Title. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna check some of this out. That's a, that was uh, that was um, you know what's the the Phil Collins' first band. Wow. Yeah, Phil Collins was a studio musician and he played drums and that's where the guy uh, uh, we've that guitar player's name. Oh shit, I'm sorry, I can't remember. But it's a guy that, that his his one pop hit was uh, uh, oh Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. My name Mickey. <laughs> wow. Mm. I can't remember what his name is now. No, I'm going to check John, this out. John Goodzall. John Goodzall. Okay. Oh, there you go. Okay. All right. Before we get to you, Eric, one more. Um, so last week we had on our show uh, the CEO of Cedia, Vin Bruno, and we had a great, great show. Uh, I have to say that um, Vin gave me a pick, and this is a great pick, a band that I loved in the 70s. Uh, Vin basically talked about the Electric Light Orchestra. Um, it, that band, I tell you, amazing. Totally amazing. Uh, I tell you what, I picked out an album, uh, great albums from these guys, Jeff Lynn, a master, and uh, I picked out the album Out of the Blue, and one of my favorite songs, Turn to Stone. So, um, you know, a great song, great group, uh, you know, really a lot of great songs on that one. So then that one's for you. We're going to now turn to Eric Larson to close us out here with I Know His Band. But yeah, I, I guess not. Did we not go to hell? No, Justin, no, Justin can go to hell. We don't need to forget <laughs> Justin Watts. Huh? I thought he uh, – you're still up there, Justin? Yes, I am. You can go to me. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, Justin. Well, hit us, man. So I grew up not in the 70s, and um, my introduction to music was my dad's vinyl collection, thank God, because – I was exposed to a bunch of everything we've talked about today. You know, Led Zeppelin IV, 1971, you know, Stairway was just kind of the, the soundtrack, right? Um, I was the kid in high school that had the really awesome sound system in my car, and I would blast, you know, the Dewey Brothers as loud as I could because I knew one, it annoyed people because, you know, who the hell is this? And two, China Grove was an awesome song. Um, my album, and I had to kind of do some digging on this one to, to find all the specifics on it, was Fog Hat. Remember Slow Ride? <laughs> Dude, so this is my album because- Oh my gosh, yes. 
Yes. Oh, so full for, full for the City, 1975. This was the first album I ever listened to on the vinyl in my dad's oh, man. And I mean, dude, I mean, still, you know, this stuff is timeless. I mean, the stuff we hear today, I mean, there are people out there putting out quality music, some not so much, but stuff from then was just timeless, right? And it was one of those things that you could listen to this stuff, and I mean, it just, it just, it set the soundtrack. It set the, you know, just knock stuff down. And to this day, I cannot listen to, I cannot listen to that album without hearkening back to my dad's old Audio Technica belt drive that we used to listen to records on, and that was my very first vinyl album. Very what a, what a, what a great. Yeah, but you know what, that's fine. You I know what, you. hey, you know what, it was, hey, my, <laughs> my dad, my dad was a partial. My, I get paid my, to say that kind of stuff. I'm just saying, my dad was a cop, he was an audiophile, so. <laughs> Thank you for his service. <laughs> I, I, I have a TAC, though, just so you're aware. I have one. Okay, so, there you go, a little, little product uh, play there. Right. Okay, Eric Larson, it is your turn. Close us out here. Give us a surprise. What you got for? You know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. But it's interesting that he, Justin talks about the stuff being timeless, and I I think about this a lot because I have few friends and a lot of time on my hands between like midnight and four in the morning, and I'm trying to think: is it because of the lack of other entertainment options was it because there were three channels and not a lot of radio? i just don't know but this stuff seemed to hit harder and you, you look at the 70s and there's stuff we haven't talked about you listen to love will keep us together by captain tenille and you can mock all you want great track it's a great effing track you, fantastic I mean, track we didn't talk about the saturday night live soundtrack at all we didn't talk about david bowie we didn't talk about i mean we didn't talk about stevie wonder there's so much stuff and I mean, maybe this just serves a show of its own because there was things about the '70s where technology and art just yeah, exactly. The Eagles came up where it, it all changed in so many different ways, and it, things really moved into a, a different world because they understood how to record. They were learning through the '60s. They started refining it in the '70s. But as I go back and start, you know, when I get on the road trip, I'm thinking, okay, what do I want to listen to when I'm driving down Highway Five? I come back to Badfinger. Over and over, I come back to the most underrated, potential-filled band to ever walk the face of the earth, handpicked by the Beatles in the very, very late, late 60s. They hit the ground in, I think, 69, maybe Britain 70, but all their albums came out in the 70s. Oddly produced, not the sonically best albums ever, but incredible songs, unbelievable me melodies, tunes that were just everywhere, and now they're all starting to kind of creep back. Breaking Bad, for God's sakes, the entire show ends with a bad finger song. That's right. You know, and you listen to it now, and there's something about it that just smells like the 70s to me, like nothing else will. I mean, day after day, you, you can't go on. You, I will pull over on the freeway to do the hand clap break, and no matter what, every goddamn time it comes on. I mean, there's, these guys had so many songs that are just ingrained in my soul. And yeah, it's 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 mindless white guy pop, but it's awesome. And, you know, it, it is just amazing how much these guys did that just kind of hit the airwaves and kind of went, they should be on Mount Rushmore. I mean, they, they should be up there with the big six and they kind of get blown to the side. But when they come on the radio, you know every word. Mm. And it's it's just I listen to them and I just I, I want to throw it out there. If anybody's out there, download some Badfinger. 
you'll have to go through three or four tracks that just are getting a little a little weird and pitchy and the production stuff's awesome but then you hit baby blue and you'll be weeping bitch <laughs> mm. you know what eric you did surprise me no right. question about it i was thinking something else but one more uh, thing that justin uh put in the uh the window there kiss definitely uh who didn't who didn't grow up on kiss in the 70s if you were there who i didn't? certainly did um who know. didn't grow up on kiss to your parents chagrin when they told you it was nights and satan service come on that's dude. right <laughs> ah. exactly and that was real gene simmons blood too by the way it was in that comic or kiss blood all of them in that comic genius uh, genius stuff i tell you but uh there's oh you're right there's so much we could talk about and eric who knows right i got all the time in the world possibilities that we do have but just more scotch that is for another time and more scotch exactly (laughs) so we're gonna close this out here uh i want to thank our guests very much tonight uh keith charlie uh, thank you so much for joining us, Keith. Are there more ways for people to find out about you uh, beyond this podcast? Are you on Twitter or any not. other social media? I, I'm hoping not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's really protected, what he is. Yeah, just forget you, forget you met me. Uh, I, have, I have nothing going on. Oh. He has nothing going on out there in the social world. Not, not, not much exciting. Hey, listen, play, play Sony games, get that uh, new PlayStation. Play Sony games, yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, I guess, yeah. You're meeting <laughs> that way, let's put it that way. Um, Eric Larson, my man, uh, how do we find out more about Eric Larson, Tascam, TAC, all that stuff? I put my cell phone number in ladies' rooms across the U.S., so you can reach me there. <laughs> uh, you're welcome to go to Tascam.com. I am not shy. I'm pretty much hopping on any podcast that will have me. And in about 20 minutes, I'm going to go stand in the front yard and just scream about Tascam. <laughs> <laughs> Eric does that every night around this time. <laughs> His neighbors don't know what to do anymore. But, um, you know, an ordinance or actually being uh, discussed. Uh, yeah, they can't keep me down. Yeah, there you go. Um, Eric, thank you very much. Uh, to my crew tonight, all two of you, uh, Darren Pitchback, thank you, man. Hey, this has been another enlightening evening. I, I feel full off of information, and I've talked to some swell guys. I'm all right. All right, that's what it's all about, man. And Justin Watts there in New York City uh, making it happen in the Big Apple. Man, if you could listen to this podcast and not want to go out right now and buy some classic shit and listen to it, I feel sorry for you. Same. It's all about going out and buying classic shit. It definitely is. Um, so anyway, uh, for the crew members who didn't make it tonight, we'll hope to see you next week. That's right, next week. Uh, except for you, Katie McGregor-Bennett. You will be at CDIA. Uh, and Vin Bruno and all the rest of the people at CDIA, good luck. Hope it's a great show. Uh, we will catch up to you the week after with another CDA show. And, oh, yes, there you go. There's another yes. one. There's another good one, uh, Darren. Uh, there's so many. Trust me, possibilities another time. Anyway, take care, everybody. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>